This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. It is that time. The time of year where mock drafts are happening all over the place. I love this stuff, just seeing the variation from one to the other to the other. And we get a chance to talk about them. It's always a fun conversation. And the guy who's behind one of the latest on CBS Sports is with us. Once again, we've had him on a number of times. Love talking the draft with him as well. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports is back with us. How are you, Ryan? The NFL season is over, and uh, you know I, I'm just getting fired up here. So it's go time, as they say. <laughs> how much? How much do you like putting together the mock draft? I I, I know that there's there some people that take it very seriously, and if you don't have it nailed exactly, you know, one through the last pick, that somehow you don't know anything about football. But I mean, just those people aside, is this is this something you look forward to? Well, so I, I do one every few weeks, and I'll tweak it here or there over the course of the fall, and things get a little more serious as you get into the All-Star Games and Senior Bowl just a few weeks ago, and now things will, will start to ramp up. The problem is in the fall when you do a mock draft, you don't know who's coming up. You, NFL teams haven't even made their board yet. They're still gathering information and scouting these players. And by the time we, we get to late March, early April, I'll start to zero in. I'll talk to people, that, you know, that I, my sources in the league and see where they're at on some players and, and try to get as close as possible. But the problem is, unlike, say, when Adam Schefter breaks news that so-and-so signed a huge deal, there is no incentive for any NFL team to leak information about who they're going to think. So they may have some sense about what other teams are interested in, and, and that's that in itself is, is certainly interesting to, to have. But there's no guarantee. And, you know, it, no one in the Titans organization, for example, is going to tell you who they're taking, uh, picks one through ten, it should should one of those players fall to them at pick eleven, and that's where things get get sort of interesting and and fun on some levels. But as you know, fans get extremely frustrated if you don't give them the exact player they want, uh, no matter the, the circumstances. Well, Ryan, that's one of the reasons we keep having you back. You 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 have a hum- humility about it because look, you know enough to know that you have to be that way, right? I mean, you know, just as as far as uh, nobody really knows. But as far as, um, like, have you established any contacts with guys that are on the inside? Maybe you know somebody that's a scout or anything, or, you know, kind of not asking you to reveal your sources, but, like, do you have guys that you go to just to, to fill in the spots where, you know, you don't, you you maybe have a blind spot or something? Oh, 100%, because it's impossible to do this job. This is like, you know, this is trying to perform surgery and, and you have a, a, a bachelor's degree in art history. Like, you, you need, <laughs> if you're in the media, you got to reach out to the people that do this for a living. And, um, you know, I I have, uh, you know, I have several people that I talk to throughout the year to, to sort of get information at sort of all levels. I have scouts, I have guys in the front office that, that are extremely helpful to me. And uh, you, <laughs> you sort of mentioned the humility. That's how I approach it. Because yeah. I'm like, listen, here, here's my situation. I, I'm trying to make sure I get the right information to the readers and, and viewers. And I don't want to be, um, you know, saying things that, you know, you see things on social media and you're like, well, that's clearly impossible. I don't want to be that guy. So yeah. I, I, I try to establish these relationships. And I'm fortunate enough to, by the way, to, to work with now at CBS Sports, Rick Spielman, the former Vikings. Oh. Manager. We do a podcast yeah. several times a week. And um, he's a great resource. And he, he was everyone their brother. But uh, beside Rick, I have a few more sources I reach out to who are, aren't quite as quote unquote old school, if you will. Do you feel like you're ever used for misdirection 
because it feels like there's often teams that will leak out things intentionally just to sort of throw another team off the scent or just, you like know. Like Ursay yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe he was. Maybe we we don't know. It feels like it's the ultimate poker game right now. We always hear about GMs with their media sources that will leak things out there for a very specific purpose. Do you ever feel like you're on the receiving end of that? I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with, with my sources, but that is something like if I get something from someone that I'm not familiar with, um, usually an agent, then I'll be like, okay, wait a second. Well, let's back this up and figure this out. Cause I, I have agents that, that I trust and that, that I talk to frequently and, and we share information, but never would it be a situation where they would say, Hey, uh, this is happening and it, and it feels weird or outlandish. And, and then I sort of went along with it. Um, I had uh, I, I had found out that like I didn't break the news, but I knew that Tua was going to leave Alabama earlier than what was report, reported. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be the guy that says Tua's leaving, and I'm not 100 percent sure, even though the source assured me it was the case. I said, oh, we'll just find out together, because at the end of the day, no one's going to remember who broke it. I don't remember who broke it, but you certainly would remember the dummy that that told you the wrong story and Tua ended up going back to Alabama. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Jeff Danzler, who's the, uh, I think he's the voice of Georgia football. Uh, we had him on, and Jalen Carter apparently doesn't have any weaknesses. And, uh, <laughs> he's got nothing to work yeah, on. We, it was, and, and look, you watch him play, and it, it, it looks that way, but that's that's kind of what we've been talking about, Ryan, is that, uh, you know, the interior part of their defensive line is huge, and this Jalen Carter kid, man, I mean, lots of uh, lots of good stuff from him. Tell us a little bit about what what you uh, what you saw on him and and why you have the Seahawks picking him at fifth? Well, the Seahawks are picking him at fifth because that Russ Wilson trade worked out way better than anyone could have imagined. And you know, credit to Geno Smith for what he was able to accomplish. Um, first and foremost, because that what an amazing season. So they're sitting there at five, and, and the great news is, you were if you want a defensive playmaker, you're going to have your pick at a lot. I don't know if Will Anderson will be there, but he may be if their season running quarterback. So Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. Tyree Wilson, do not sleep on Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. He could be a special young man. He may end up being better than Will Anderson. We're not talking a lot about him getting an injury late in November and uh, didn't participate in the senior bowl, but he was there and, and I had a chance to talk to him just in, while he was wearing street clothes. And, and he, the sky feels like the limit with him. But in terms of Jalen Carter, if you're looking for a, a nit to pick, maybe he wasn't in the best shape of his life down the stretch in the playoffs. He had to come off a couple times. He looked winded. But it, it, the list of things we worried about with a prospect, um, conditioning should be at the bottom of the list because if you're dominating play after play, if you're unblockable play after play, if you're in the backfield, you can have it play after play. Those are the things that make you a top five pick. And, and Jalen Carter or Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, you can miles Murphy out of Clemson. Uh, at five, those guys come in and contribute. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson right away. Tyree Wilson as well. Miles Murphy might need. Uh, a little time to acclimate. He just turned 21 back in, in January, so he's young, but his body is, you know, I think he's 6'5", 270 or something. And that's something you could work with. But Jalen Carter, uh, he's better than Jordan Davis coming out of Georgia. And Jordan Davis was 13th, I think, middle of the first round last year for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't have a great rookie season, but that doesn't mean he won't continue to grow and get better, much like Dexter Lawrence did a few years ago for Clemson. But Jalen Carter could end up being the best defensive player on this Georgia team from the last two years. And last year, they had five first-round picks. Ryan, how how good, in your opinion, is this crop of quarterbacks? I mean, they're you know, depending on which mock draft you look at, they're all over the place. I've seen Will Levis is the number one overall. The Colts trading up to get him. C.J. Stroud. I mean, it, it just it's it's all over the map. And I'm just curious how good you think the upper echelon 
group is and how much of a gap there is between the say the next group of quarterbacks because the Seahawks we were talking about the fact maybe they maybe they take a flyer on somebody you know maybe it's not the fifth pick but maybe they take somebody at the end of the first round or the second or third round how do you just the quarterback group overall your thoughts on them the top four quarterbacks in this class are a lot better as we are at this point in the process than they were a year ago a year ago there was a lot of him and Ha and, and trying to put people into the first round that probably didn't deserve to be there. Uh, Kenny Pickett was the only first-round pick. He went 20th, and the next quarterback didn't go until the third round, and that was Desmond Ritter. And that was a surprise, typically because quarterbacks are overdrafted, not because that we necessarily those quarterbacks deserve to be drafted higher. So you, you get the sense that teams aren't going to overvalue these quarterbacks, but I still think four guys go off the board. Bryce Young is my guy. The issue is, I'm sure you guys are well aware, he's 5'10". He's probably only about 185. Maybe he'll drink a, a couple gallons of water and, and get that number up a little bit. But I don't think he's going to grow between now and, and the combine in, in a few weeks. But if he were Will Levis's height and weight, we, we'd we be talking about him like Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence and, and those guys in terms of next great NFL quarterback. He's just slight, and, and there's nothing he can do about that. But he's a special talent. C.J. Stroud is next for me. He showed in that Georgia game, the last game of the year for the, for the Buckeyes, that he could actually use his legs. Ironically, we were concerned that a quarterback couldn't use his legs, not that he wasn't a pocket passer, which C.J. is. He didn't throw a lot of anticipation in Ohio State, but, I mean, when you guys – when you have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson last year, Jackson Smith and Jibba for a few games this year, but Marvin Harrison Jr., those guys are always open. So it's sort of hard to gauge, and that's sort of some of the projection you have to do to figure out, okay, what does this look like at the next level when the windows are a little tighter – Justin Fields has progressed over the course of, of last season in part because they, they tailored the offensive roundup, and that's something you have to do with CJ. Um, Anthony Richardson out of Florida, I, I mean, he's a walk off the bus, and you're like, oh, my God, we're, we're going to lose by 50 type guy. And you see moments of really special football from Anthony Richardson in terms of things he can do that no one else can. But then there are stretches where he looks like a guy who hasn't played a lot of football, and, and that's what he is. But if you're able to be patient, and in the right system, which is sort of a cliche at this point, um, this guy can have a lot of success and be a really good quarterback. And I, I think that's the, 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 the thing to keep in mind. You have to be patient with Anthony Richardson because he's not ready to start right away. And Will Levis, as you mentioned, you talk to NFL teams, and they, they love them some Will Levis hmm. because of the height, because of the, the, the weight, because of the arm. He can throw the ball through a wall. Uh, the leadership, he's a great teammate, he's a smart guy, I think he's a finance major. But last year was a forgettable season for him. Now, he was injured. The offensive line had lost three players to the draft. The wide receiver group was a freshman uh, mostly, and, and they struggled at times. So a lot was asked of him. But, hey, isn't that what's asked of rookie quarterbacks when they go to the NFL? You have to drag a bad football team in, into some wins. You didn't see that last year at Kentucky. The year before, he was a little better. But you're not going to convince me that he's a top-five pick based on what I saw last year, and even if you want to throw in some 2021 tape. And finally, I mentioned Hidden Hooker, who had a great season for Tennessee. He's 25, so he's older, but at the quarterback position, that's less of a concern. He towards ACL late in the season. He's still a day-two guy, and he's a guy that people aren't really talking about because he's injured. But uh, he was in the Heisman running, and, and rightfully so, and, and I think he could end up being a, a really good NFL player and we're just not discussing right now because he hasn't been able to participate in the senior bowl. He won't be able to participate in, in the combine in terms of the physical stuff. But but he really had a great season and built off a really strong 2021 season. Now, Ryan, since you're talking about quarterbacks, you did have Bryce Young in the first round last year. Is that right? I, I believe, I'm sorry, Brock Purdy. 
Brock Purdy, uh, the Mr. Irrelevant. He was, uh, I blew that He was my joke. first overall pick, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you did. I like that you called yourself out for that. Yeah, I just uh, said the wrong name. Uh, hey, what about C.J. Stroud? Does that ever creep into your mind? I mean, look, we talk about Ohio State quarterbacks, and come on, it can't be the uniform. I mean, is C.J. Stroud finally going to be the guy from Ohio State. I mean, I know you mentioned Fields and he had a good year rushing, but it just seems like it's just weird that when you name the the best quarterback to come out of a storied, you know, program, it's it's been rough for Ohio State quarterbacks, but uh, you ever you ever think those kind of things creep into your mind a little bit when you're making your lists? Yeah, no, of course. And I brought that up with scouts before and they say that in general, that, that that's not an issue. I mean, right. you, you can't think that way. I've had, uh, had a scout tell me that C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback in Ohio State the last 20 years or so since they've been scouting. And um, there's a chance, there's, there's talk around the league that he could end up being the first quarterback taken. Uh, NFL teams are frightened to death of Bryce Young's height and weight. And it's easy for me to say that and, and love Bryce Young, but when your job is on the line as an evaluator, as a GM, and, you know, he gets broken into the 15 pieces next year. you got to explain to your owner, well, why did you pass on Will Levis or, or C.J. Stroud or whomever to take this young man and he's hurt? That's a tough sell. Uh, but in terms of – I mean, the only injury Bryce had, Bryce had last year was a shoulder injury, and that's when he was scrambling and, and sort of landed awkwardly. I don't think it mattered how much he weighed. But C.J., he's a he's a big young man. We talked to him last week in Phoenix. He, he's a smart young man. He's, he comes across as someone who would be a good leader in the locker room. Um, and clearly he, he was able to, to play that out on the field. He, you know, he had some bad games, but you know, Will Levis would like a word, but he had a lot of good games. And if you're going to ball out, ball out against the best defense in the country in Georgia and almost will that team to victory, if not for a missed, um, 50 yard field goal as the time expired. Hey, Ryan, just looking at your, your latest mock draft at, at pick 20, the Seahawks second pick of the first round, you've got them going with a wide receiver out of Ohio State who didn't play much last year. And, and just the position itself, not even the player, I look at and go, OK, well, that that's sort of counterintuitive just based on what, you know, how bad their defense was and how many holes they seem to have on that side of the ball. What what leads you to, to have them land a, a, a wide receiver with that pick? Yeah, typically in the past mock drafts over the months going back to the fall i've had them taking two two defensive players and a lot of times it's been a, a cornerback in that spot and someone like keely ringo could make sense he's still on the the fake mock board there and my my draft there that could be available I, I know that he had a tough season at georgia in terms of compared to expectations and he's not going to be the first cornerback taken but in terms of jackson smith and Jeffrey, you mentioned it. he played three games had five catches but when you look back to last season 2021 he led that team in receptions more than Garrett Wilson, more than Chris Olave, more than Marvin Harrison Jr. And um, Garrett Wilson was on set with us last week, and he said Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best wide receiver of, of that group. Now we asked CJ about it, and you know he's not going to say either way because that's how that's how quarterbacks are. Why would they call out one teammate to prop up another one? But we forget how good he is because he, we haven't seen him, and that's sort of the, the you know the mentality when when you do these drafts and when you're in the media in general, you, you get locked onto what you know, not what was once great and has since been injured or whatever. But I think the thing that Smith and Jigwin need to do with the combine, if he were to run, is he, he's got to run a pretty good time. He can't run a 4-6. But he plays fast when you watch him on tape. Uh, he can do a lot of things uh, in the confines of what we saw at Ohio State. And he did it alongside and better than Olave and Wilson. And also, don't forget, Jameson Williams had to transfer out of Ohio State to Alabama to get playing time. So uh, I love the idea 
Um, Tyler Lockett's getting a little older. I mean, he's still a great player, but he's not going to play forever. We know DK Metcalf's going to want to get paid soon. And Smith and Jigba is something of a security blanket, if you will. But I agree. If it's at the end of the day, if this is the final mock draft, uh, I think I'm, I'm doubling down on defensive players because the offense wasn't the issue. How well played uh, as a rookie. Hey, uh, what about uh, looking back at the the draft last year, particularly for the Seahawks? Man, we were just talking about how you know they had nine picks last year. Um, seven of them contributed, some a lot more significantly than the other. A couple up for um, you know defensive and uh, offensive rookie of the year. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, some of those players that I know that you looked at, uh, it was it was kind of cool. And how much do you sort of follow up and see how how your guys are doing? I, that's a big part of sort of what I do right around this time of year now that the season's over. But Charles Cross, that was a home run. Yeah. Uh, Abe Lucas, home run. Guys that played right away and contributed. I loved Tariq Woolen last year at this time. And I, I, I didn't say it very loudly because he's a former wide receiver. I had him as a day two guy, but I wasn't sure. I, I didn't trust myself. And, and he ended up going in the fifth round, I think. And Here's the thing. Turns out wide receivers can catch. And not only that, he's big and he ran whatever the four twos, high four three, low four threes. And, you know, you don't know. Like, you don't know Richard Sherman's going to be Richard Sherman until he shows up as Richard Sherman, right? And, and Tariq Woolen had a great season. And I'm so glad he had success because personally, I was like, oh, okay. I, 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 had, it, I had that right. Um, Boy, Mafe, I liked a lot. Um, I don't know how you guys know better than I did how, how much playing time he got and what he was as a contributor, but I know that uh, he has the ability to do those things, and that's certainly something they need um, going forward when we talk about the draft this year. We're, we're talking about defensive guys, of course. But this draft class was one of the best. The Chiefs draft class was an absolute grand slam. I mean, they had six guys on defense alone that played over 200 snaps and were a big part of what they did in the Super Bowl. But that's the whole point, and that's sort of what the the – Seahawks were able to do early in the Russ Wilson era, right? They had Russ on his rookie deal. They were able to sign all those guys to second contracts that they had drafted so well, the Cam Chancers of the world, the Richard Shermans. And and that's how you get to Super Bowls, by, by having um, being able to put those pieces around your quarterback. And, and I, I think that's that's what you're building for. Now, you're going to have to pay Geno Smith if he comes back, but it won't be uh, salary cap-breaking money. You still should be able to build around him. And if you crush a draft this year, like you did last year, it makes things even easier when you're trying to negotiate or navigate, excuse me, around the, the big money contracts that you have to sort out. Hey, Ryan, have there been, there's always players like Tariq Woolen or, you know, that you look at that are drafted late or even free agents, you know, Doug Baldwin back in the day, you know, that turn into stars, that turn into just tremendous players. So it's, that happens all the time. But I, I'm curious just for, as a guy in your position that evaluates these and sets up the mock draft. Are there any players that stand out, whether it's last year, year before, that you thought, man, this guy's a home run, this guy's a sure thing, that just for whatever reason didn't pan out? <laughs> I, I'm laughing because yeah, absolutely. Like I was, I was a huge Kellen Mond fan of Texas A&M, and he went late second, early third. I can't remember to the Vikings, and it's funny because Rick Spielman was the man who drafted him. And I would never do it with my colleagues. They crucify poor Rick about that pick. They will not let him alone about it. Um, but I, I saw a lot of things in Kellen Mond, his final year at Texas A&M, that, that felt translatable to me. And the word I got back when I would talk to scouts is that he's a robot. He's too stiff. He, he's too robotic. And, and that was his downfall. Um, and it's, you know, trying to figure out which quarterback is good and which isn't is incredibly difficult in and of itself. Right. And then you go out on an island with one of these guys and 
you're like, oh boy, all right, here we go. I still get texts from scouts who make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you a Zach Wilson guy? No, I wasn't. I was a Mac Jones guy, and I'm still hanging on for hope with Mac Jones. And I think part of the issue is when a defense, play, when a defense coach calls plays, that can affect your, your second year quarterback's ability to have success. So we'll see. Maybe Bill O'Brien can fix him. But I thought he had a good rookie season because no one was on Mac Jones, and that was one of those things where I, I was like, it, the whole idea of talking about the draft at Presidio Sports is not just to do what everyone else does. I've talked to people. I've watched them. I like them. And no one else is saying that, but that's okay. And, and so I, I leaned into Matt Jones, and he had a pretty good rookie season, terrible year two, year three, he needs to bounce back. Uh, but no, I was not a Zach Wilson guy, um, even though I think I ended up having him as a number two quarterback. I think I had Matt number three. You have to go back and look. Yeah. But um, Zach Wilson is one of those examples, and I say it every year and every year to some level I fall for it. The, the pro days don't matter. Like he went out there and dominated his pro day. Yeah. I've had GMs tell me that's one of the best, best pro days they've seen. The number two pro day, by the way, that they've seen Johnny Manziel. So again, pro, pro days, <laughs> yeah. they, they, don't, they don't mean anything. Well, and, and I, this is something I think about every year. What's more fascinating to you, Ryan, the, the first rounder, that's a total bust or the guy that nobody saw like Doug Baldwin. That's a, that's a free agent that, that makes it, I think uh, John Randall is another guy that was a free agent. I mean, that's always fascinating to me, but it, it's I, I sort of struggle with that. Or the number four pick, Aaron Curry, who was here in Seattle in 2009. Uh, yeah. Which which stands out more to you? I like the Doug, the Doug Baldwin story better because it, it ends with a happy ending, right? And Doug yeah. Baldwin, by the way, he wasn't he wasn't even invited to the combine. I was looking at the list of guys. Because yeah. the combine list just came out, and there's some some snubs. If you follow closely, of guys that should be there that aren't. But Doug Baldwin didn't get a combine invite. Adam Thielen didn't get a combine invite. He's been a, he's been at the Pro Bowl, and and uh, he's on a second or third contract. A big part of what they do in Minnesota. And even if you look at last year or this year, uh, the Chiefs roster: Isaiah Pacheco, seventh rounder; Jalen Watson, the cornerback, seventh rounder. And those guys are huge contributors to what they did on both sides of the ball. And in that same breath, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, former first-round pick, uh, wasn't even active for the Super Bowl. It was just uh, Pacheco and, and Jarek McKinnon. So I, I love those stories, and it just sort of reiterates what a fine line it is between being a first-round pick and the little boxes that don't get ticked that knock you down from first to second to eventually seventh. Um, you know, Pacheco played at Rutgers, didn't play a great program, and, and it was harder to, to sort of figure out what he was good and wasn't good at because no one was blocking for him, essentially. Mm-hmm. Jalen Watson was a was a bigger two, I think is what he measured, coming out of Washington State, a little stiff. Um, but that's the whole reason you have coaches, right? Uh, so the, you're not a finished product when you're 20, 21, 22 years old, and you have to understand that you're going to get more coaching, you're going to be in better condition, you're going to be better, you're going to be stronger, all those things. That's the whole point of, of drafting players and developing them. And the Chiefs, um, the last – 10, 11, 12 months did a fantastic job of that with their rookie class. Ryan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you during this time. We appreciate you taking the time and uh, look forward to talking again. Thanks so much, man. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ryan. There you go. Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports. Their latest mock draft came out earlier today. It's got the Seahawks uh, taking a wide rec- That's the one that blows me away. The, the, the top five pick, is it varies from, from draft to draft or mock draft to mock draft. But I've seen a couple that have had them taking the receiver with 20. Yeah. I mean, that would be stunning to me. I mean, he's right. Tyler is, he's not getting younger. I understand that, but 
man, with the, with the needs you've got on defense and you've got two first-round picks if they spent one on a receiver. Get ready for it, Bob. Get ready for yeah, it. The more they, unbelievable it seems, the more likely yeah. it is they'll do it. Well, and the other thing I like is that, you know, on his list, he's got a couple of uh, a couple of quarterbacks going early. That frees up Jalen Carter, Miles um, Murphy. He might be one of the favorites that I've watched. I mean, I, I looked at all of these guys that you know, Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter, um, and Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. But man, Miles Murphy really looks good. And they have him going to Detroit. Ryan does. So yeah. it feels like they're they're going to get somebody really good with that number five pick that's if they keep it if they keep it yeah john will tell us tomorrow if they're keeping it or not certainly (laughs) i'm sure he will all right coming up uh we just heard about what might be a dream scenario for the seahawks we'll get into that next with wyman and bob this is seattle sports station on 710 wyman and bob powered through the alaska airline studio on seattle sports and the seattle sports app Bob's all over it. Like a dog on a bone, trying to figure it out. I think you're right. I think it was the Colts. Yeah, we were looking at New Orleans. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, somebody tweeted out their top five quarterback. It was Emmanuel Acho. Tweeted out his top five quarterbacks of all time. And just talking about the list. It's subjective, depending on what you – some people will say Dan Marino's top five. Others will say, no, you have to have won a title or titles, plural. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, if if your standard is Super Bowls – then you better have Terry Bradshaw there. Your top three better be in some order, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. But nobody's putting Terry Bradshaw in their top five all time. Yeah, so I think it's Super Bowl 44. New Orleans beat Indianapolis 31-17. Okay. Yeah, so that was 2010 season. But um, Or I'm sorry, the 2009 season. I always get that screwed up there. Yeah. The season. Why can't it be in the same year, Bob? I should just call it that. <laughs> like the season baseball. starts in baseball, one year and ends in another. Yeah. Baseball makes it easy for us. But uh, yeah, it was interesting hearing from Ryan Wilson there. I, I think it's, I liked his answer where he said, I go, which one's more fascinating? Well, I like the one with the happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get <laughs> Doug Baldwin. And, you know, I'd forgotten about that with John Randall. I ended up speaking to John Randall uh, at. Mike Tice's golf tournament last uh, last summer. It mm-hmm. all had to do with a, a drink that I was having at the bar. Yeah, it was a little chocolate whiskey. Mm. And he's like, "Hey, what is that?" And then we start talking. And you know, and I was like, "Yeah, you were like a late round draft choice, right?" He's like, "Nope, free agent, man." I'm like, "Wow, that's impressive." Don't you feel like that's more common though? Because there's so many players. It's e- it, I feel like it's so much easier to miss a guy who can turn into something versus. A guy that everybody, Aaron Curry, everybody, consensus, top five pick, everybody loves him. This guy is going to revolutionize the position. And then for whatever reason, it's different for every player, but it just doesn't happen. I feel like that's more common. Do you? Yeah, because, you know, I'm looking back at the the year that I was drafted, especially, maybe that's why I'm a little biased that, you know, that there was, well, there was a guy that was picked after me, Hardy Nickerson, really good linebacker. right? Yeah, but he wasn't that good at, at Cal. I mean, he made lots and lots of tackles, 12 to 15 yards downfield. And then he would get up and celebrate. But then when you get, <laughs> you got him to Pittsburgh and then he went to Tampa, started out with, with Pittsburgh and he was a fifth round draft choice. I think he's, he's a Hall of Fame quality type of player. So, but then there were, there was a guy named Mike Junkin that was picked like with a number four or five pick, was a linebacker mm-hmm. uh, by Cleveland, never really saw the light of day. So, yeah, I feel like it's more common 
to miss on those on those guys and just yeah. the top end guys. I'm always fascinated by them though. Like, why didn't it work? Why? What? What happened yeah. with Aaron Curry? Why didn't it? You can't say, oh, he he just doesn't know how to play football. He was too good as a college player. He was too good. And again, he was a consensus. There was nobody going. What are the Seahawks thinking? Yeah, he was um, the Butkus Award winner. Um, you know, so I mean. But, yeah, look at Mike Junkin. So my year, this is my year of being drafted. It was Mike Junkin, Cleveland, uh, linebacker out of Duke. And really, you never really heard of him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some of the other guys like Sean Knight, a guy I actually played high school football against. Um, Danny Noonan was was okay. Um, Chris Miller didn't work out. DJ Dozier, a guy named John Clay, the Raiders, who was a huge tackle, didn't work out. You know, a, a Bosa that didn't really work out. First round. Was it the dad? Draft choice. The dad, Miami, picked him with the 16th pick, John Bosa. And, you know, he he was okay. I think he was a good player, but he didn't mm. he didn't tear it up. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's always, uh, I, I think, more common Yeah, that you, you see. And especially you go back a few years now, you do have modern-day examples of it like the Titans. You know, with their guard that never showed up, I think it was. Or it was tackle. dancing on the car. Yeah. So, you know, every once in a while, you still miss. So yeah. I think that's kind of fascinating. I do like Ryan's answer, though, that you the like happy st- ending is much better. <laughs> the free agent. No, that's a great story, right? The flop is just not. Like, I don't even like talking about the Aaron Curry. I like Aaron Curry. He's a, he's a yeah. nice, good man, whole thing. And he was a consensus. I don't care yeah. who gives you the Monday morning quarterback. Oh, well, you liked him. Well, so if you knew who he was back then, so did you. Yeah. So stop it. Yeah, otherwise you're an idiot. Yeah, I mean, like just, him, so. some, yeah the, the Seahawks have reached on some players or some players where we went. Uh, James Carpenter, remember that? Nobody even knew who he was. Well, including Nick Saban. Nick Saban. <laughs> I mean, that was one of those ones where you're going, wait, they took who? That I get. That doesn't work out. It does work, whatever. But. Aaron Curry was a consensus. It was, you know, so, what, you know what happened. My scouts were telling me Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps, Ken yeah. Phelps. <laughs> Why'd you trade Jay Buna? <laughs> He's got a rocket for an arm. All of my baseball people told me it was Ken Phelps. Um, so I'm looking at this. Uh, Lefko put the tweet from Jason Lacanfora on here, and what it, the reason it's it's notable is that he tweeted out more than one NFL GM came away from the Senior Bowl fairly convinced that Justin Fields will be dealt hmm. so that the I would be surprised if that happened but who knows they, they seem to really like him out there and feel like he's going to turn into something he's a heck of a runner we know that uh, but yeah, the idea is. that they have the number one overall pick and they could potentially deal their quarterback does that mean they're in love with one of these other quarterbacks out there they do they love Will Levitt or what did, what did, what did uh, Keyshawn call him? <laughs> Levi? It's, it's Levi's, Bob, yeah. is his name. <laughs> Keyshawn I, didn't even know his name. Was, well, it's 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 fascinating to me, though, because uh, there's a side of me that goes, oh, geez, you know, who's this guy, whatever. He did not have a good senior year, as Ryan told us. Uh, didn't have great numbers. Oh, Will Levis. Right? Yeah. Okay. What did I say? Uh, no, I thought you were talking about Justin Fields. Yeah. I'm going, I don't remember his senior year. Well, on Justin Fields, I mean, look, he ran for 11.43. But, you know, you, you look at... I mean, Lamar Jackson is kind of fading out right now. Like people are are kind of phasing him out because you know I don't know. I mean he's he's gotten some injuries back to back years. So I'm like, how can he? How can they? I just don't think that's a good model to go with at your quarterback position. But it is if they can, if it's like Mahomes and Mahomes isn't the runner that Fields is or that Lamar is. But yeah. if they can do what he does with his arm, 
obviously it's a huge asset to have that that mobility. But if they're all runner and yeah, he's he's an okay passer, but really he's his threat is running, that becomes problematic because that part goes away. It does go away. But, you know, I'll say this. You know, I was I was compiling just a list of the top running teams in the NFL, and the top four all have running quarterbacks. You know, so you have uh, Chicago was number one, and your quarterback ran for 11.34. And then Baltimore, uh, then you had 764 yards um, there for your quarterback. And then Atlanta – is was number three, and you had Marcus Mariota run for 438. And then lastly, Daniel Jones at the end of the year, 708 yards. I mean, I knew he was Dude a running quarterback. Run. Yeah, and remember he came into the game we played against him, mm-hmm. and I think he was coming off a 100-yard game. So, you know, I just I don't know that that's the, the right model because, yeah, uh, Baltimore made it into the playoffs, and so did the Giants, but both had early exits. And Baltimore had their backup make the Pro Bowl. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> with two touchdowns and three picks or he played okay in the flag football game actually yeah, he's fine he's, I, i'd like him I'd, i wouldn't mind having him on the roster but yeah pro Bowl, okay but if you look at you know uh the next five as far as run game goes it goes philadelphia cleveland uh then buffalo san francisco dallas and you know those guys are just straight run game no yeah. quarterback stuff so yeah i'd I just would not want to have – I wouldn't think that you would invest a long-term pick or a position to a quarterback that's known to run because he's going to get beat up. Yep. Hey, don't forget to catch the debut episode of the John Schneider Show tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Dave and I will be live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. We'll have the GM right in front of us. He'll be on every Thursday with us between now and the first round of the NFL Draft. That's the John Schneider Show happening tomorrow. Debut episode tomorrow at 4 p.m., so do not miss it. Meanwhile, it's the what if that might have decided the Super Bowl. We'll get into it on What If Wednesday. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports Station on 710. What? 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 It's time for What If Wednesday. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. Wyman and Bob rewrite the scripts of major moves and moments in sports every Wednesday afternoon. Now step into an alternative reality with Wyman and Bob. A little bit of news before we get to What If Wednesday. Just reading a tweet here from uh, Daniel Kramer. Taylor Trammell needs surgery to repair a broken hemate bone in his right hand, Jerry DePoto just said. That'll elevate Jared Kelnick in the left field platoon situation, but DePoto noted that Cade Marlowe could more prominently figure into the mix. But uh, terrible news for our guy Taylor Trammell, who apparently injured his hand in a workout uh, prior to arriving out there. So any recollection, I know you're not a doctor, Bob, neither am I. I probably should be. I probably could be if I was awake for most of my surgeries. <laughs> That'd uh, be a bad idea. Do you remember the Hammett bone? Like how, how long? I, uh, Dr. Lefko, do you, do you remember how long well, it takes? That's a pretty common baseball thing. It's like I, down here in the wrist, like the lower part of the wrist. wrist. Mine kind of protrudes a little bit. So that's, Your Hammett maybe bone. Maybe yours broke. Yeah. Mine yeah. might just be broken. What'd you do? That's I know about it. How'd you do it? What were you doing? Probably pickleball injury. Bob has some ideas. Pickleballer. Yeah. Um, he was yeah. pickleballing. Uh, let's see. This one, somebody's saying should be out. Uh, there's random people tweeting. I don't know. They're saying, you know, these six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. Is what a couple people are tweeting, but I don't know how reputable yeah, they are. Yeah, it just, it just sucks, man. I, I hate I hate that kind of news, especially for a guy like Taylor Trammell. Yeah. You know, and 
and and again, I mean, you, you, a lot of it is just bad luck. And you know, I've mentioned this with with my career. If I had I had three uninterrupted seasons where I was, I, you know, I was uninterrupted by an injury, and two of those I had to go get surgeries afterwards. But still, at least I got a chance to get going. My second year, my third year, I avoided injuries and, you know, just got cleaned up at the end of the season, whether it's a scope or whatever, no big deal. These guys that start off that way, you know, where they just, I mean, he he could be a really good player that just happens to get hurt. And, you know, as you mentioned, we just love Taylor Trammell. He's just such an easy guy to root for and just a guy you absolutely want on your team. And you he's so, like I said, easy to root for. And then that that goes on and and now all of a sudden puts a little pressure on on Jared Kelnick. You know, maybe maybe that makes it easier for him. Um or Cade Marlowe steps up and becomes a I've heard a lot about that kid. Yeah. So it's a it's a bummer. Maybe it turns into something good, but yeah, you you hate to see it. It doesn't sound like he's gonna be out for too too long. So it looks like somewhere six, seven, eight weeks, depending. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. But just not the news you want to start when pitchers and catchers report today. Well, and the, the thing too, you know, again, he can. It's not like the, you know, the the sky is falling. I mean, like you said, six to eight weeks. Um, what it puts us out max at around you know April, middle of April. Uh, but still, he, yeah. he's a guy that needs reps. You yeah, know? he's he, competing for a job. Yeah, you can't get behind. Now all of a sudden he's behind schedule, and now all the development that he have over the next two months is going to have to take place between you know April and June. So yeah, it's just a uh, very frustrating. All right. Well, let's. Uh, so there you go. There's a bit of news before we get into what if Wednesday, which is presented by Mazda of Everett. So the question is, what if Dave, the holding penalty had not been called on James Bradbury? What do you think happens? Do the Chiefs still win? Uh, do the do the Eagles? We we assume that they're going to. I'm going to go ahead and give Butker the benefit of the doubt and say the fact that they were on the 15 yard line, which turns it into an extra point at that at that situate at that spot on the field, that he converts the field goal. So they still kick the field goal. Difference being more time on the clock and the Eagles would would have one uh, timeout to work with that they were otherwise forced to burn. What do you think happens? Well, okay. So um, now let's go back. the The injury, I'm sorry the uh, the infraction happens at one fifty four. Um, if he doesn't hold there, that's a touchdown. If, if that wasn't called, yeah. So he still holds, but as he said, they let it slide. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking. Well, what if he didn't hold the guy at all? Because I mean, that's the thing with a lot of defensive backs. You yeah. go, you'd rather get a holding penalty than give up a touchdown. Right. Yeah. And there's some that are saying, well, he wasn't going to catch that ball anyway. I, when you go back and watch it. I think had his his route not been impeded the way that it was, he probably catches that ball. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that most receivers said that. And like I said, a lot of people will go, "Oh no, that was way overthrown." But and you it, people close fast, especially like defensive when you look at, "Oh, he could have put that ball in there." Nah. You know, the the defensive backs close fast. You can't underestimate or overestimate how fast these guys are. But let's let's say that they score a touchdown. And we talked about this with um, you know, with uh, El Hombre that Philly if if they're down by a touchdown. They drive the field, and you know I don't know how long it takes them to get there. If they, you know, if he completes that pass, fine. If not, then you know whatever takes place, they're gonna have like a minute and a half mm-hmm. to to get to take the ball down to tie it up. El Ombre suggested that, and he's been around the team and Sirianni, the head coach, the way that they've been aggressive. He thinks they would have gone for it on on uh, for two two point conversion two yeah. point conversion. So then. 
you know, you'd have, what was it? Uh, was it 35, 38, the final score? Yeah, 38, yeah. 35. Yeah. So, I mean, you you would have a little bit more high scoring game there. But, I mean, I, I don't. I don't doubt that they could have possibly. I mean, because the offenses were playing pretty well. And do you think he goes for it on? Uh, Man, that's. I, that, I don't know. Because you're mean, guaranteed going into the overtime and get another chance to. Yeah, a Super Bowl. But, I mean, look at. And the mm. reason why El Hombre said that, nobody went for it on fourth down more than Philadelphia. Right. So they're not risk averse. This is the Super Bowl hanging in the balance. You convert, you're a superhero, you win. You lose, game over. You lost the Super Bowl when you could have extended the time. You could have given yourself a better chance. I don't know. That's that. That's a different set of uh, different set of, of stones there to go for something like that in that scenario. Well, everybody, you know, it's just like the the interception on on the one yard line i mean if it fails 90 percent of people are going to say you should have done it the other way there's only 10 percent of people that are smart enough to know that (laughs) hey this was the right thing to do at the time yeah it's the 90 10 rule bob yeah what do you think do you think i mean do i think they go for it yeah or, or do you think I, they drive the field in the first place? I don't, that's a good question because I feel like everybody just assumed, well, if they didn't make that call, Eagles win the game. Well, really? Because you, you still got to drive the length of the field. You would yeah. assume they're going to kick it in the end zone. They're going to start at the 25. And the Chiefs, I, I would say, okay, they, they got stopped. They didn't make that call, so they kicked the field goal. It's 38-35, and you got about a minute 44 to play with in a timeout. I don't know if they get down there. I, maybe they do. Maybe they do. But I just think that's a very big assumption in that setting. Yeah. I think it really is. And, and yeah, problem is we, we aren't allowed to find out. But I think it's it's giving them a bit too much credit to say that's exactly what would have happened. We don't, we don't know. Maybe maybe the, the Chiefs defense bows up right there. Maybe that's where they, hey, man, this is it. This is the drive of our lives. We've got we've to keep this team. They, they only have a limited amount of time to work with here. We can do this. We can keep them at a field goal range yeah. or force them into, you know, a kicking a 57 yard, you know, 57 yard attempt or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, look, I mean, maybe Nick Bolton picks off a pass and is the Super Bowl MVP and Could goes have been the other way. Third one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I like the what if on that. But yeah, I think either way, you know, the Philly fans are going to be like, uh, yeah. do they not like, I mean, it, he indicated, uh, he being uh, El Hombre, that Bradbury was kind of a, a sung hero there. Yeah, stand-up guy. I give him all the credit in the world for See, that, I man. thought Philly fans would be like, you idiot, you don't ever admit to anything. I'm guessing there's some in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not a consensus you out there, don't Dave. talk. <laughs> Just like the mafia, right? Yeah, don't talk. They're very, very mad about his loose lips. All right, we'll get some insight on the Seahawks offseason and what they may do in free agency with ESPN's Brady Henderson. He'll join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.